This is Pastor Nathan Kirk, and I am so glad that you have decided to make Greater Life a part of your day by tuning in to the message that you're about to hear. We here at Greater Life are a group of people that are passionate about living for Christ, as well as service one to another. From our worship services, classes, and messages, we strive to love and serve with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. I hope you enjoy the message you're about to hear, that it is a blessing to you, and that in turn you may be a blessing to others. If you're searching for a church to call your home, I encourage you to join us here at Greater Life. We talk about tragedy. I think it's really important to understand when we do talk about tragedy, on how we perceive and how we view tragedy. There are different positions on, and, and I'll just put this out there, on, on what's going on right now in Brooklyn Center, Brooklyn Park, Minneapolis, our region. There, there are voices everywhere that are saying, I think we have to realize, like we have been doing in this series, there are Things that happen on the surface, but it's actually what's down deep is what really matters. The things that happen on the surface cannot be ignored. They have to be addressed. They have to be talked about. We have to address it and try and do our best to resolve it. But undergirding all of this, undergirding all of this, underneath all of these, all the things on the, the surface and as it gets down deeper and deeper and deeper, what it distills down to and boils down to is a broken and corrupt and sinful world. I I think the message of the church ought to cut down to the core of what's going on in our world. And that we are a fallen people with, with brokenness and corruption everywhere. And if we fail to recognize that and realize that, I would say that we fall into intentional corruption. And if we, if we are in intentional corruption, yet we still call ourselves Christians, then we are hypocrites. The root, the root, the root. So much of the evils of this world and the tragedy, sin and brokenness and corruption. The root. We try to address, we try and treat symptoms. Treating symptoms is a lot easier. And it, ev- and it can feel quite good. Anybody ever been on pain, pill- pain uh, pills before? Does that fix your problem? It does not fix your problem. Do you feel good? Yes, you can feel very good. You can feel very good until it wears off. I'm sure the next problem happens. We want to avoid, yes, the problems need to be avoided, and they are, they are tragic problems that we're facing in our community. It is tragedy. We have to understand that, right? And if, if we are ever at a, at a point where we as people focus more on the politics than the tragedy, and we've lost, we've lost something very precious to us. We've become very, very guilty and very hard. The tragedy 
tragedy that we see is that there's a, a young man whose life was taken. But what about, I don't, what about, what about what? That, that's where our knee-jerk reaction is. Like, what about this, what about what? In a moment of time, he was sent into eternity. Tragedy of a family that's broken up. Tragedy of uh, a, a, that female officer. And listen, I'm not getting into politics. It's not a political position. She took someone's life. You say on purpose or not, we're not going to have that discussion. We're not going to have that discussion. Somebody else can have that discussion. And everybody else is having that discussion. Sean Penn took someone's life. Now her life is ruined. Their lives are ruined and they're destroyed. Intentionally or not, lives are ruined and destroyed. It's tragic. It's tragedy. So what do you do in the face of tragedy? Because we have to look to Jesus. We have to look to Jesus, the author, the finisher of our faith. We have to cry out to him. In the Psalms, this is not part of the lesson here tonight, but I, I want to make sure that we just at least address a few things. In the Psalms, um, in Psalm chapter 88, and Psalm chapter 39. I'm not going to read those tonight, but I just want to bring those to your attention. If you, if you write notes in your Bible, take notes on these, these psalms in your Bible. Because these two psalms are distinct out of the other 150 that we have for us. These two psalms are distinct because Psalm 39 and Psalm 38. These two psalms are distinct because, I'm sorry, yeah, 88. Thank you for, for that. You're paying attention. That's good. I, I can always count on people to pay attention when it comes when it comes to correcting me. That's, what's that? Thirty nine and eighty eight. At least that's what it said in my fortune cookie. So no Psalms thirty nine and eighty eight. These two psalms are distinct because they are the only psalms that don't offer any hope. They don't offer any hope. All the other psalms, David and the other psalmists are writing and they're crying out and they're, they're making their case against God sometimes. They, sometimes. Some of them are pretty brutal. And they, like when, when he asks, Lord, how long? Am I going to have to live like this? How long will I go before you answer me? Like, that's an honest prayer. But if you read the rest of that poem or that prayer, it ends with hope. It ends with him hopeful, saying, yet I know. I know that you will. I know that you're faithful. You've delivered me before. I know that you will. These two psalms, and if you look at Psalm 88, like, think of how we end our prayers. We end our prayers Lord, we thank you and we give you praise and we're, we, we trust in you and we ask you in the mighty name of Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Like we end our prayers with so much like faith or hope or maybe even expectancy. The last word of this psalm is darkness. So just kind of consider that for a second. I, I, I bring this to our attention because tragedy, tragedy happens. And the, the Bible is not is not, is not uh, exempt of showing us examples of this. 
places where there, where there seems to be no hope. Even the psalmists that had written these were in a place where they just didn't see any hope. But thank God that these are not the only psalms. And thank God that these are the, these are the extreme minority of psalms when it comes to hope. That even in very dark and tragic situations, there is there is hope. What that hope looks like, it doesn't look like our intellect. It doesn't look like our ability. It's a, it's a fallen world that needs saving. If you go back to when we were studying on spiritual warfare about how the agenda of the enemy, the adversary, the devil, Satan, his agenda is to bring us back into chaos, to disestablish and to uh, bring disorder and chaos to what God has brought to order. And he is at work in these days. He's bringing this world into chaos. Look all around us. And, and it's, not just, it's not just what's happening recently. It's at every level. It's chaos throughout the land because of sin and corruption and brokenness. But there's hope in this. There's hope. There's hope. God brings order. He brings meaning. He brings purpose and fulfillment. He brings salvation. He saves us from this wicked world. Wicked world. So, with that tonight, we're going to talk about something and, and pivot and transition into something in this series where we're talking about reaching the power of God. And in doing so, we're going to talk about the power. We've been talking about some scriptures and some questions that have been asked. There have been many questions, and, and I would say even now with what's going on, this is one of those, these are the situations where we would say, how can God allow this, or where is God in the middle of all of this? The psalmist actually asks that question. He says, where is God? Where, that they'll say, where is your God in all of this? Well, where is God in all of this? If we seek him, we'll find him. We have a world that does not want to seek him, that, that, that really doesn't want to, but they want to find what he offers to some extent anyway, if we seek him, we'll find God. What we're talking about here is we're talking about the scriptures, this series that just entitled The Scripture and the Power of God. And the, 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 the foundation of this series is on the fact that there, there was a group of people, the Sadducees, who, who were mistaken. They held a belief and they misused scripture to confirm their false belief. Okay? We don't ever see that happen in our world today, do we? It happens all the time. If we're not careful, though, we can think that we're above that. If we're not careful, that's, one of the, that's a trap of the fowler to think it'll never happen to me. I'll never be the one to misuse scriptures for my own wrong interpretation, like for my own false belief. Okay, well, I'm not saying we're sitting here on, on, on poor foundations. I think the foundation is great, and I think the the building of the church, not the physical building, like the body of the church is, is a great, is a great, uh, is very strong and is great. But if we get to the point where we think we know everything or we've got it all figured out, we're probably in a lot of trouble. So, so we ask God, we say, Lord, reveal your word to us and reveal, Lord, what is the truth? The Sadducees were the people that, in a little bit of context here, they were, they were talking to Jesus about resurrection. They didn't even believe in resurrection anyway. So why are we even bringing it up if you don't even believe it? And Jesus 
he, he answers their question, their, their incorrect um, questioning because the premise was wrong. But he answers his question. He says, you're, you're mistaken. This is in Mark chapter 12. You're mistaken because you do not know the scriptures and you do not know the power of God. We talk about how we, we can know the scriptures and that's we need to know the scriptures. There's a, I think in modern Christianity, at least th- this is just from my observation, there's kind of a lacking of knowledge of scripture and, or the application of scripture. And sometimes we get really good at taking scripture and using it out of context. We get really good at that to convince ourselves of a belief that's not quite accurate. What Jesus is saying is he's saying you have to know the scripture. So we have to know the scriptures, but but not independent of that. Along with that, you also have to know the power of God. The word know, do you know what it means in the Greek? It means to know. Wow. Wasn't that profound? Like, write that down. Or to understand. Many, the majority of times that that's used in the New Testament is it's a physical perception. The word, or to see, not just to under, it's not just to know or understand. Another meaning of it is to see or to perceive. So the vast majority of times that it's used in the New Testament, it's, a, it's about a perception. So we can perceive the word of God, the scriptures. We can perceive them in front of us. But do we perceive the power of God in our lives? Or do people perceive the power of God in their lives? Do they know the scriptures, and have they perceived God's power? Jesus had an issue with the Sadducees, not just because of their false doctrine, but because they didn't know scripture, and they had not perceived or experienced or seen or understood the power of God. Now, the word power, brother, where's Brother Reed at? Brother, you, I know you know this. The word power in the Greek is the word dunamis, which we get our word dynamite. It's explosive power. Explosive power. What I've done um, is I've taken the word, I I just did a a word search on the word dunamis, and I put every time that it occurs in the New Testament on the whiteboard up there, just to give us a little understanding. Power is important. There, There are a lot of references there. I think, I think it's fairly important, power. Power didn't just, and so hear this, the notion of this power didn't just stop at the Gospels. Going, <laughs> like through the whole thing, power kept going. One of the questions that was asked, um, uh, not of somebody from our outside circles, but from someone right in, the, right in this uh, church in, in Bible study, was a question, if you gave your Bibles, it was a question that was referencing John chapter 14. So if you have your Bible, we can kind of turn there. And this is, is, a, is a good question. It is a good question. I'll read this scripture, and then you can kind of decide what do you think the question was. And the person who asked the question, you don't get to say what the question was. I know you know what the question was. I'm going to put this to some, uh, let's just be honest about this here tonight. Okay. John chapter 14, verse 11 says, Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the very works 
very works sake. Verily, verily, I say unto you. So you the scripture, whenever you see words that are repeated, verily, verily, that means it's really important. They didn't have bold or italics or, you know, large print or anything like that. Not even, you know, Times New Roman because they were so old. Never mind. Um, they had to repeat words. They had to repeat them. Verily, verily. Jesus is saying something, and he's saying, I really want to get your attention on this. This is really important. Okay, Lord, you have our attention. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he do also. And greater works than these shall he do, because go unto my Father. And whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you shall ask in my name, I will do it. Or we find these words in Mark chapter 16, something I think we're fairly familiar with anyway. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils, they shall speak with new tongues, they shall take serpents. That's inadvertently, not just on purpose, just in case anyone's wondering. If they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. All right, so we have some of these notions of the things that Jesus did. Um, I wanna, I'm going to address that in just a second, but when we look at these two passages here, kind of putting them together, what do you suppose the question was? And we've talked about questions, questions that are asked. What do you suppose the question probably was? Don't be afraid. Brother Gibson. Yeah, that's, that's, it's right along with it. It's touching it. That's right along with it. Yeah, it's right along with it. That's good. So if it, it's kind of in that vein, it's kind of in that vein, that's a good question. That's a very good question. Here's the thing. Is, I'll just kind of cut to the chase because I want to um, take care of the time here, redeem the time. Um, the, the question is this. If that's the promise from Jesus, why don't we see it more? If he says greater things, the, the things that I do, you will do. Not, not just the things that I do, but actually greater things. And then you look at the Acts of the Apostles, and they begin to prove some of those greater things. Right? Like Peter's walking down the trail. He's got, in, you know, it must have been maybe in the afternoon because he's got a shadow coming behind him, or maybe in front of him, who knows, but the shadow's there. People are literally taking sick people, and the Bible just says they are throwing sick people in his shadow so that they'd be healed. That's pretty wild, isn't it? Like, no, imagine you're sick, and you can't move. You're just sick. And wait, what are you guys, what are you doing? What, where am I going? Where are we going? Where are we, where are we going? <laughs> And they're just kind of like, quick, hurry. Wait, <laughs> you know, just kind of. Then all of a sudden, I'm healed. Or they would take, um, nap, they call it napkins, which would be like cloth napkins or handkerchiefs. You, you may do something like that. And they'd anoint them and, and like pray over them and then send them, disperse them so that people could be healed. Like that's, that's, those are among some of the greater things. 
other greater things, it's not just limited to that. So I want to maybe help, help our minds out a little bit with that here today. But the, the question is, why don't we see that today? Or as much today? Or in this room full of believers, these signs shall follow them that believe. Like, raise your hand if you're a believer. Like half of us. All right, we're going to get it by the end of the night. No, like, raise your hand if you're a believer. I, th- I think we got just about everybody. Okay, great. So these signs will follow you. It's like, I don't know if they're following me, though. And we can, I'm not trying to be heavy on us, like, shame on you for this not happening. No, 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 no. Let's, let's, let's pull that back, because that's not the tone we're setting. That's not the tone that Scripture sets toward this, okay? Let's just cool off on that. It's not about shame on us. But don't you kind of want to know? Like, if these are the words of Jesus, and we take his words so seriously, we ought to, don't we kind of want to know, like, what am I missing? What's the missing component in all of this? Somebody didn't like that stuff. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Drafty building, folks. It's okay. <laughs> like, what, what is, what's the missing ingredient? We've got, every, we got the word, and we got the, we have the Holy Ghost. God's spirit inside of you, what's the missing component? Is it faith? Whose faith? Is it our faith? Is it it the people that we're talking to? Is it their faith? Okay, this is good. We're, this, like, look, I'm not asking for one right answer. There's not like one silver bullet that's like, not at all. Oh, that was it. Okay, let's do that. Like, no, that's, there's a, there's, it's multi, multifaceted um, kind of components here. So, Brother Reeve said, if my words abide in you. What, what does that mean? I want to draw that out. Wait, let, me, let me give a timeout real quick. Here's why I'm, here's why I'm asking questions sometimes. We, we often ask questions on a Wednesday night. Here's why it's important to ask questions and to have dialogue. Um, any of you know who Charles Parham is? Charles Parham. Does that name ring a bell? He, he, was, a, he, was, a, yep, he was a minister who um, had, a, had a group of people and, and students um, that, that was kind of lead, led up to some of the events that led up to Azusa Street or were a part of that, that revival. He had a, a group of students together, and they saw they saw these same things that we're talking, some of the same things that we're talking about here tonight, and they said, what's the missing component? What's going on? What are we missing? What is this infilling of the Holy Ghost? Like, let's look at, let's look at this. What is that all about, the power of the Holy Ghost? Like, what is that all about? And what he did is he assi- gave assignments to them, and he said, he said, look, you're not just going to hear from me, and I'm not just going to pour this stuff to you. I'm going to sit here at the same level with everybody else, and I'm going to say, what are we... What do we got to do here? And that group of students, who were all there voluntarily, by the way, had to say, we want to know what to do with this. We want to know how do we get there. Um, the reason why we bring out the questions that, or discussion is because I, it's not just, oh, I got all the answers to everybody look at me because I, I have the hot office. Like, like, that's not what it's all about. It's not about just that. It's about, okay, are we in this together? Because if you make it about a person, or personality, if you make it about charisma, once that's out of the way, the, the, it's, it's very empty. It's very shallow, and you'll actually never get there anyway. You'll get 
imitations of it. Okay, well, I'm not going to get there, but I could go on for a while. Should I? Like, should, should I just, <laughs> I like, two people were like, well, go for it. Everyone's like, I don't know. I just, <laughs> no, that is true. If, if, if it's all about personality, you'll have imitations. And that's as far as it will go. This has got to be something that we are collectively interested in. I want to experience the power of God. I want to see some people that can't hear it, hear it. I want somebody that can't see to have their eyes open so they can see. Somebody that can't walk, has been crippled for years, not just like a little while after a bad surgery. I'm saying for years, maybe from birth, can't walk again. I want to see. So are, are we in this? Are we together in this? If we're together in this, we want to see this together. First. So the reason I ask, the reason I bring that out is because I want to say there's not like just one right answer. Like, Oh, you've got the right answer. We're so, where have you been all this time? Like, it's not about that. But Brother Reed, you said something that, that are, are words, his words abide in us? Or what were you saying? What, what, what are you, where are you going with that? One second. So John 15, 7 says, if ye abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what all ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Right, so there's a, there's a dual relationship of abiding, and what does it mean to abide? Okay, this, I like that. That's good. That's good. It kind of gets, do you have any more? Um, I mean, no, I mean, that, I mean I've, I've looked at that before. I have it numbered, so there's more than one thing in regards to him um, speaking of abiding, so you probably want to figure out what they all are and do them. But um, it makes sense that you would want his scripture in you, in your heart, written on the fleshly tablets of your heart. But um, I don't know if at some point you get to some point of overflow where something happens or what the, you know, what it is. I mean, this is what we're talking about now. But yeah. those, you know, I've contemplated it, you know, in, in reference to the Mark 16 verse 17. I mean, it's, it's real. It's God. It's real. Right. So. How does this really come about? So we're falling short somewhere. What's the activating factor? Yeah, yeah. That was something I was talking about with Brother Mark was about before the service, or before Bible study tonight, is that he mentioned this, which was great. Like the people that spoke in tongues for the first time, they didn't know what speaking in tongues was like. It hadn't been done, and they had, they had no concept of what that was. But all of a sudden, it like fire fell, or the it, like it happened to them. They were in the experience of it. And the scripture was their guide. It's their guide. But how, what's the activating thing? That's part of the beauty of it is that sometimes there's less of a clear activating thing because it's, uh, it's the, we have this treasure in earth and vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. Like earth and vessels is like one of the dirtiest, most fragile things that you can conceive of. And we have a treasure in that so that everyone will know that the excellency of the power is of God. The excellency of the universe is of God, not of us. Um, anybody else? Last question. I just want to maybe a couple of things, then we'll, I want to move on. 
divine um, if you're if you separate yourself then you're not going to be able to bear fruit outside of the vine so you got to keep plugged in you got to keep plugged in you got to work on it like my animals in my marriage you know you got to work on it you got to work on it you got to work on this thing you can't just let it slide next Oh, you're waving something. I thought you were raising your hand. Are you sure? Okay, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> I was having coffee with Brother Reed about he was in service talking about um, something someone handed to him. So it wasn't even his thought. And so he was saying, I know you guys know all this stuff already. I know you guys all know this stuff. I've only been here six years. But. Did you know that the resurrected Savior was 40 days with his disciples? And I thought, I never, never even thought of it like that myself. And I really kind of chewed on that for a while. And I came back to him and I said, that's really good. And so we talked about it over coffee. And then it was just a week ago, week and a half ago, I was at work and I was thinking about our conversation, and this guy was, I was talking to a coworker of mine, we're always drinking coffee, and I said, did you know <laughs> that the resurrected Savior was 40 days with his disciples, and he just went, I mean, he, he asked what, and I said it again, and he said, he just sat there, and then all of a sudden tears started pouring out of his eyes, and he said, glory, and ran away, and I'm like, <laughs> what just happened? Like, I didn't think, I, I thought it would be cool. I didn't think it would work like that. <laughs> but sometimes you just have to step out in ways you don't even, you wouldn't think you should. My work is not a safe environment to say anything. <laughs> but uh, I said it, and it worked. And the guy came back later and says, oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't know what that was about. I said, that was God. Yeah. Come on, man. <laughs> so sometimes you just have to step out. And sometimes when we consistently stay in the rut of what we're used to, what we're, what's normalized for us, because we have our own traditions in this church, not just Pentecostal. We, we have a tradition. I have personal traditions. And the Lord's like, no, I don't, I don't like those traditions. You need to step out of that. The more we step out, the more we let, allow him to move, you'd be surprised what happens. So here's this notion of power. In the New Testament, when we see that word, here's, here's what it means, just so we're on the same page. Because oftentimes we put power in a box. And we say power must only mean healing, <laughs> right? And yes, that is, there's an accuracy to that. But it means it's layered and it's more than that. Power in the New Testament means, it means inherent power or power residing in a thing by virtue of its nature, or which a, a person or thing exerts and they themselves have to put forth. So an example of this is found in Matthew 25, 15. This is a parable of the talents. And in that scripture, it talks about that the talents were distributed to them, some one, five, one, two, one, one. They were distributed to them according to their own power, according to their own dunamis. That it's put like this, is that you actually have inherent power on your own just by virtue of how you were made. 
if we don't think that we have power on our own, look at what's happening in our world. There's power, there's, there's power that's taking place absent of the Holy Ghost indwelling people. There's power. There's power dynamics all around us. You have power. You have, you have so much power, actually, you have more power than what you think. Even though I understand that we, you know, by, virt- by virtue of our existence in our understanding of who God is, we understand that how powerless we actually are because we can't do a thing without him. But what I'm saying is this, is that you actually have a power to allow God to work in and to, to work in your heart, or you have a power to, to put up the barrier against God. That's pretty, that's, that's some power in, in that, in, over yourself. Part of receiving the Holy Ghost is saying, I surrender that power over myself. I surrender the power uh, to, to, to do what I want to do and to take this the way I want to do it and to have my own power, my own strength. Like, I'm, I, Lord, I'm giving that all to you, even the most unruly of our members. Another aspect of power, so I'll, maybe I'll put it like this. You have an inherent power that resides in, in you by the virtue of your nature. Jesus, great, the works that I do, greater works shall you do. He had, there was a power that he had just by virtue of being a human. And sometimes in, we have the, the greatest power that we have, and this, this is what this power boils down to, it's the power of choice. He was, he was all God and he was all man. And the flesh had to choose to surrender. There is a choice to surrender. There is power in your choice to surrender to God. There's power in your choice to surrender your flesh and to say, no, not my will, but yours be done. We don't, I think that's probably one of the biggest things. We don't understand how much power that is. The power of saying, not my will, but yours be done. The power of what does your flesh want to do? All the things that God doesn't want us to do, right? And, and in reality, all the things you, you really don't want to do, but your flesh is so hungry, hungry, hungry for it. You have the power to say no to your flesh. Not, not on your own, not on your own. You, you need him. You need him to see it, to actually see it through. But you have the power to make a choice. You have the power when the Lord begins to speak to you, get into my word. Oh, I don't know. I think I'll just pull up YouTube instead. And I'm not trying to be hard on us. Like, we have the power of choice. You have the power when the Lord says, it's time to pray. Let's get into prayer. And he pull, he's pulling you, like, so sweetly pulling you into prayer. You have the power to say, I think I'll just go back to sleep. Um, we, we have power. We have power of choice. That's a tremendous power that we have. I want to move on, though. Um, the second thing in which we are maybe more familiar with is power for performing miracles. So, and that's what a lot of these up here on the board that you'll see, that the vast majority of them are. You, when you, in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, and you shall receive power, okay, power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Now, I just want to note this. This is Jesus talking to his disciples and other followers. These are people that knew who Jesus was. They already believed in him and who he was. They had already been baptized. But they did not have the Holy Ghost. Okay, we understand that? That's a really important distinction to make. Receiving the Holy Ghost is a distinct experience that a believer has. And what happens in this is that they receive power. He says, you shall receive, is 
moral power and excellence of soul. This is another meaning of the word dunamis. Moral power. That means the power to make the right decisions and to see them through. The power to live a above sin. And this can be a Christian and it's okay. You can just kind of keep on sinning and that's okay because his grace is sufficient. Like, yes, his grace is sufficient, but he does not. What, what, is, what does Paul say? Because grace abounds, should sin therefore more abound? That's some strong words. He's, I think he's trying to get across by the power that God gives you, the Spirit. You can live a moral life. Um, another, another way that power is used in the New Testament, the power and influence, which belongs to riches and wealth. I won't go into that a whole lot. Um, the power, number five, the power and resources arising from numbers. So it's looked as a dynamic force. It's a force. Um, and then number six, a power consisting and resting on armies. So I want to bring this back in, and I'm, we're kind of starting to wind down because it's already a quarter to eight o'clock already. Um, we got curfew too. <laughs> but in this, in this, we can begin to make some false assumptions we can begin to make some false assumptions that God's power is expressed in one mode only, but it's actually expressed in many ways. It's expressed in the ability to live a moral life. It's expressed in the power for performing miracles. It's expressed in armies and hosts and forces of heaven. It's expressed in resources and power arising from numbers is how his power can be expressed. So this question that was brought up, why do we not see these things in our world today? I want to pose a, something to us tonight. This might go a little against the grain or a little controversial, but that's kind of what we're here for. <laughs> One of the arguments that I hear about this I've heard this often, often enough to where I almost think it's true. <laughs> I just don't buy it. Maybe I'm just ignorant, but I just don't buy it. Is that in our Western world, because we live in a Western world with many conveniences, that we don't need miracles. The people in our world don't see the need for miracles. Because we're a first world society, we don't have the, the need or the desperation that the rest of the world has. Therefore, because their daily need, because our daily needs are met, we do not see miracles. Because their daily needs are questionable, they do. Now, there's a lot of truth in that. There's a lot of truth in that in the Western world, our daily needs are met in abundance. I, I won't ask for a show of hands, but I would dare say the majority of us have food in the fridge, the freezer, and the cupboard that, depending on the size of your family, can last you a good little while. Some of you has, have freeze-dried food. Some of you have food that's buried in the backyard. Like, <laughs> you got all kinds of food. And, and then a, as a result of the pandemic, we got all kinds of toilet paper, too. So, like, our needs are met. Our needs are met. So there's truth to that. And in, in, the, in, in, the, in many places in the world, and I would say the majority of the world, that their needs are on a day-to-day -day basis. Okay, yes, there's, there's truth to that. And there's a desperation and a hunger, and there's also a simplicity there. There's, there's also truth to that. 
one of the great things about going maybe overseas and going to a, a place that doesn't have reliable or any electricity is that when the sun sets, do you know what you do? You go to bed. Do you know why? Because you don't have a screen and lights keeping you up and making it so that you only get three hours of sleep at night. Oh, am I talking to someone here today? Where are young I'll go talk to our young people because that doesn't apply. We're too sophisticated. That doesn't apply to us. We get it all figured out. None of us have been wa- binge watch anything. Why you cry? No. <laughs> no, I'm just teasing. I'm kidding. But that's the, one of the things in that it, there's a life of simplicity. And in, in reality, we have cluttered our own lives. And, and we feel like we're slaves to the clutter of our lives. We, we, first, you're not a slave to the clutter of your life. You can live in simplicity. We're really good at cluttering, aren't we? We're really good at cluttering our own lives, packing up our schedules and filling up our houses and having too many bills and too many, too many debts that we have to pay and having to work so hard so we can pay debts because of status. We're really good at that. You know, you know what would be, uh, I feel horrible, so I'm sorry. You know what would be, you know what's equally as powerful, I think, as somebody being healed? is somebody being delivered from the clutter and the clutches of this world. Where you say, well, you need the power, you need that power, you need that power. Well, how can we express that power? Because I don't have, you know, there are physical things. We're going to talk about those physical things. Absolutely, we're going to talk about those, 100%. But what about just being set free from the things of this world? Jesus, there was a man who was brought to Jesus who was a lame man born of four, the Bible tells us, and he was laid down, and Jesus says to him, my son, thy sins be forgiven thee. And everyone started losing their minds and calling him blasphemy and all this kind of stuff because they said what? They said, anybody remember what they, why they were so upset about that? They said, yeah, they said, who does he think he is? I want to talk to you, Sister Lee, right now. You embarrass me. You, you put me in my place. So, <laughs> Somebody else, somebody not Sister Lee over here said, no, I'm just teasing. Yeah, his Brother Lee, I think, said, who does he think he is? Nobody can forgive sins but God. And Jesus asked this question. He says, which one's easier, for me to forgive this man's sins or for me to heal him? Power is not just in the healing. It's in the living of a moral life. I think the need in, in first world and in western world is not so much the healing. It's the need for a moral life. I'd rather, Jesus said, I'd rather you, it's better for you to go to make it into like heaven maimed than to miss out at all. If there's something if your right hand offends you, if your eye offends you, cut your hand off, pluck your eye out. Those are some pretty strong words from Jesus. So tonight we have meat cleavers and fire sticks at the back. We will sanitize them. We want to be, you know, <laughs> we want to spread COVID. <laughs> so bad. Can you not put that part in there? <laughs> it's, not a, it's not literal. I don't think it's literal anyway. The point <laughs> <laughs> the point is, if you got to go to the extreme to make sure you make it, then you go to the extreme. Okay. Okay. 
so the argument is this, is that, so, in there, so there are parts of that argument that I mentioned. Because we in the Western society and first world don't have these needs, the desperation that the rest of the world has, we therefore don't see the miracles that they do see. Um, I can understand that line of thinking. I can follow that logic because a lot of that, a lot of the aspects of that point is are, are true. I would pose to us this. I'd pose to us that we are creating our own logic when we say that, just as the Sadducees did, because we don't know the scriptures and the power of God ourselves. I know that's probably not very kind tonight. But I'll say this. I, I'm, I'm looking in this book. I'm looking in this book, and I'm seeing rich people run to Jesus. People that had um, servants that worked for them and at their disposal. People that had everything that they needed taken care of. People that had position. People that had every reason to fear coming to Jesus. I'm seeing Nicodemus, a Pharisee, so a man who, he still came to Jesus by night, but he at least came to Jesus. I'm seeing people running, 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 running to Jesus, saying, I tried everything else, I talked to everybody else. No one else can do anything. Even people of my own faith and my own um, religiosity, they, we can't do anything. So I'm trying you. I'm trying you. The most sophisticated and advanced people of that time, many of them, some of them, not everyone did. Not everyone did. I'll throw an olive branch out there. Not everybody did. But there were people that had it all together, that had it all together, that were still in need, and they still ran to Jesus. What, what I can surmise is this. What I can surmise is this, is that this theory, and theories like it, reveal that there's a barrier between our world um, that the rest of the world doesn't face. And likewise, the rest of the world has other significant barriers to the power that we don't face. Let me say that again. What it boils down to is that the, the power is still accessible no matter who they are or what status they have in life. The power is still accessible. There is no measure of success that gets somebody beyond the need for the power or the accessibility to it. It's still accessible. In our world, there is a dearth of the, the works that Jesus did and, and greater works than these. We, I want to see more of those things. To me, it's not so much about saying that we won't be able to see them because we live in the first world or because we live in Western society. It's what's the barrier? What's the barrier? Show me the barrier. Let's talk about the barrier. And if I can figure out that barrier, I can tear that thing down. Because I want to get the barrier. I want to find out there's, there are those that are on the other side that they, they might have the best jobs. They might have good salaries, good retirement plans. They might have the picture-perfect family. But at the end of the day, they are dying. They, they're, broke. They're, they're still addicted to drugs and alcohol. They're still addicted to, their, their soul is still addicted to all kinds of things. So there's power to free people from that. And, and, and even in sickness, even in sickness and with diseases, this, this power is still real. And maybe it's just my ignorance, but I refuse to believe that there's anything that, 
there's any social status that can stop the power of God. Okay, okay, so, and, and I know that's not, that's not what the point that people are making when they say this, but my, my point is this tonight, is that if there is a barrier that we're seeing, that we've got to, if there are barriers, plural maybe there are, that we've got to break through to get there, I want to break through those barriers to get there and do whatever it takes to break through those barriers. I'll do whatever it takes. Now, I'll put it to you like this, and I'll, I'll, I'll extend the olive branch one more time, and then we'll start to wrap up. There were some cities that Jesus went into. You'll see some of these. If you look on here, you'll see it on here, on some of these scriptures, that he couldn't do anything. Maybe he could just do a couple of things. Why was that? So it wasn't Jesus' unbelief. It wasn't his disciples' unbelief. It was the, the people's unbelief. I'm not saying you people. That's not what I'm saying. It's, not, it's your unbelief. It, that, uh, that's the world that we're facing. It's unbelief. So what, what, yeah, Brother Gibson? How do you mean? Oh, yeah, sure. If we only put it in one category, God power, God's power can only be manifest through divine healing. Right, got it. But, it, yeah, then that's a good point. It, it was there, so what, what's the cure? I was, so I would say this, what's the cure for unbelief? Man, that's a good question. I'm going to leave you with that tonight. What's the cure for unbelief? There are lots of things. Faith, knowledge, revelation, truth. Prayer and fasting. Choice. That you choose to believe. There was a man who said, I believe, help my unbelief. I believe, I got, I got some belief. And Jesus said, if you, have, if you have faith the size of a grain of a mustard seed, I believe, help my unbelief. Yeah. Right. Well, it depends where they're drawing it from. First of all, it depends where they're driving it from. Yeah. No, your flesh, your flesh, the enemy in your flesh are so opposed to fasting. It wasn't that man's prayer and fasting. It was that man's prayer, right? It was the disciples. Are we doing okay? No, I can't take any more questions. I got a meeting. I got you guys to go. Um, 
in this, in the power of God, what is that power limited by? We're going to look at Scripture for guidance. We're going to look at Scripture for guidance. We're going to look at, you, you, you know neither the Scripture nor the power of God. We're going to look at Scripture, Scripture for guidance on his power. I'll, I'll say this in closing. I, I had a conversation with the Lord, a Psalms, it wasn't a Psalms 88 or 39 conversation, but it was a conversation recently with the Lord where I, I said this. I said, God, I, I was just being really transparent with him. And maybe you don't talk to the Lord like this. Maybe you shouldn't. Maybe I shouldn't. <laughs> He'll correct me later on, and you don't have to worry about that. <laughs> Although I'm sure you will. No, I'm just teasing. I'm just kidding. Um, but I said, Lord, I'm, I'm honest, Lord, I'm tired of praying this prayer for someone to be healed and then not seeing it happen. Lord, I, I know it's your will. You have a sovereign will, and that's one of the things that we will talk about. Okay, we're going to talk about that. But I just have, I, Lord, I'm, I'm wrestling with him and saying, God, I know you, you have a sovereign will, and it is your will, and there is, there is choice and all this involved. I get it. And I understand that you have a plan and a design. I understand it. But, Lord, when I read your book, I just see it differently. I see it playing out differently. And is it my small mind or is it my misunderstanding? Lord, I just, just help, help me wrestle this out. Help me wrestle this out. It, almost like Elisha did where he's like, where is the God of Elijah? <laughs> I say, like, Lord. And then we take the step back and say, I know you're there. I know you're there, God. I know you wouldn't set us up for failure. I, wouldn't, I know you wouldn't put power throughout your book and then give it to your church and say, here you go, take, take this power and do it. I know you wouldn't set us up to, to wonder and to miss this all of our lives. So, Lord, what, what are we, what's, the missing link? what's the missing component to this? I want, to, I want us to come back and study this out, come back for some discussion. We're going to leave this up there on the board. Um, I know it's a little bit hard to see, but um, if you want a really good Bible study tool, um, there's a there's a website that you can use for a Bible study tool that you can that you can use to maybe pull some of these things up. It's called BlueLetterBible.com. Blue Letter Bible. Okay, some of you already have that. Good, good for you. Um, then there's an app for that. So, but that's that's a great tool to use. You can derive a lot of these sorts of things. The word studies that and the word studies. I'll just put it this way. I don't hope I don't offend anybody. The word studies are much better than the Strong's Concordance. The strongest concordance is not the be-all, end-all. Uh, it's actually, okay, I'm not going to go there. But <clears throat> so let's just talk about this. We're, we're going to come and talk about it. You know what we're going to do? In Jesus' name, we're going to talk about this. We're not just going to talk about it. We're going to know it. We're going to experience it. Experience the power of God. Experience. I, I don't just want to know the scriptures. You can you can memorize all of those, all 135 of those. You can memorize all of those, but unless you experience it, experience it. I want to experience it, and we're starting to. And it's not to say that it hasn't happened. It has happened, that we have experienced it. We've got testimonies all over the place that could say we experienced it. But in these days, in these days, all the more. Oh, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Well, amen. let's stand together here tonight.